Welcome to New Books and Political Science. My name is Heath Brown, and today I have the real pleasure to talk with Jonathan Allen and Amy Parnes, who are the authors of HRC, State Secrets and the Rebirth of Hillary Clinton, published by Crown Publishers. John and Amy, how are you both doing today? Good. Thank you for having us. Yeah, it's a pleasure. We, We talked a little bit about why this book, on the one hand, fits perfectly into this podcast, while on the other hand, it's a little bit different. Um, some of what I think the people who listen to this podcast are going to be interested in are things like how do you actually write write the write the book. Um, before we get to that, um, this is a, a big book and a book that's gotten a lot of buzz, which is is great for you guys. Um, how did you two come together to co-author this book? What's the what are the roots? Well, we both um, we actually worked together at Politico uh, a few years back, and we both wrote a story about the Clintons a few years ago, and we thought it worked well. Um, and we were both kind of inspired by um, what had happened at the State Department. We felt like people hadn't really talked about it in great detail. Sure, she has a press corps that travels with her, but you know, much of America didn't know what Secretary Clinton was up to for the last four years. So I think it was a topic that interested both Tom and me. And when Amy says, uh, inspired by what happened in the State Department, inspired by the opportunity to write about it, you know, sort of, it's like, what we felt was like a very untapped period of time, and we know that, you know, there were foreign policy reporters following around, but not political reporters, and, uh, you know, we sort of have a nose for uh, the political story and how she would build an operation and the maneuvering within government and the maneuver, maneuvering internationally and how Bill Clinton might fit into that. So we thought, you know, this is a really rich area of opportunity for us as reporters, but also uh, an area that we thought would interest voters, uh, given that she's, you know, certainly the front runner for the Democratic nomination for president in 2016, should she run and, and you know, a, a reasonably uh, reasonably viable candidate in the general election. We thought this is this is a period of time that should be explored, uh, you know, before anybody goes to the polls. Right. And John, you're now White House bureau chief at Politico, and Amy, you're White House correspondent uh, for the Hill. Actually, uh, let me let me get in there for just a moment. I actually just moved from Politico to Bloomberg News. So oh, fantastic! Well, congratulations. Thanks. But the, the book jacket still has the old job on it. <laughs> I want my well, employers to get mad at me for not pointing it out. Well, we will we will clarify this, and and that's a uh, I assume a promotion, and 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 great news for you, Amy. Is is your affiliation still still as it is? <laughs> still the same, yeah. Well, wonderful. Yeah. It's a great it's a great affiliation to have, and and Thank you me. guys, wherever you've been over your your uh, writing history, uh, have written in the tradition of of uh, political reporting, which is different than the tradition of political science. We talked a little bit before we started to record, and I think this is something that political scientists would be interested in. Um, so how did you write this book? There, there are lots of interviews, many with unnamed sources. How did you manage to get such high-level access? Can you talk, talk us through a little bit about the, the method you use as political reporters? So I think we um, it was an interesting process. We John had covered the Hill for many years. I covered the White House. Um, we had different sets of sources. We kind of combined our source list and reached out to everyone possible um, who's ever come into contact with Secretary Clinton. Um, and then, you know, it was actually quite difficult to um, break into that world. Like, I had covered her over the campaign in 2008, and I'd known some, a lot of those people, but, you know, they're not so willing to talk about her. So actually, you know, the access, um, we, we tried to, you know, talk to mid-level staffers, low-level staffers who worked on her campaign, people who are 
familiar with Hillary Land, people at the State Department, people who like her, don't like her, and, and then we've brought them all together and formed this book. <laughs> yeah, and, and you, you sort of allude to this, but, but much of your book is about how important trust is to Hillary Clinton. Um, mm-hmm. as, as sort of maybe a defining characteristic of, of the Clintons. Um, so mm-hmm. what, are, what are the Hillary Land, quote, concentric circles of trust? It's a phrase that you use. Who's inside this, this inside, inside circle within these concentric circles of trust? Who's at, who's at the center of this? Well, in the center of it are, are Bill and Hillary Clinton, and they would be the intersection of, uh, you know, if you have a Venn diagram, and, and uh, I don't want to get too far over my skis here, is not somebody who's a, a mathematician or political scientist, but if you had a, a Venn gra- diagram of the, the Hillary land and the Bill world, uh, the, the main intersection would be a pretty strong intersection between the two of them. And then around those uh, circles would be these, you know, each would have their own set of concentric circles, some of which uh, overlap each other and some of which continue to sort of build out, or at least where there are parts that overlap. Um, and, and what I mean by that is, uh, you know, Bill and Hillary Clinton together are the uh, the sort of thing at the center. And then uh, each of them has their own uh, sort of set of staff. You know, for a long time, Bill Clinton had Doug Band as his top aide uh, who helped him build uh, the, the Clinton Foundation after his presidency and build uh, the Clinton Global Initiative. On the Hillary Clinton side, there were folks like Cheryl Mills and Huma Avedon, who were the closest aides. And, and at the very highest level, there's there's some overlap. Cheryl Mills also worked for, for President Clinton at one time. So, you know, they, you, but you start to move out and move out and move out and move out, and you go from you know, people who are extremely close personal friends and aides to, you know, sort of a second set of people who have been politically loyal over a long time uh, to them and that they've been loyal to, and then, the, you know, third and fourth and fifth ring, and finally you get to people that they might have given the job to when they were, you know, when President Clinton was in the White House, but they don't actually know. Uh, and that's, you know, sort of that, that very sort of outer ring. And and as the book goes, these, these people who are at various levels, uh, various circles, play a, a part in, in the success or, or some of the failures of, of uh, Hillary Clinton's time at, at the um, State Department. And, and in, in talking about that, there, there's this difference between Hillary Clinton as the Secretary of State from her predecessors, who uh, didn't come out, at least the most recent ones, um, out of the elected realm. Um, you, and, and I think this is uh, one of the points you make is, is that uh, Hillary Clinton has, quote, a bias for action. I wonder if, uh, what you mean by that, this bias for action. And is it related at all to uh, the jobs that she held prior to getting this position as secretary of state in, uh, in 2008? Yeah, we thought the whole bias for action notion was pr- a pretty interesting one. And we examine it quite thoroughly in the book. You know, we talk about how she put together this Libya coalition. She was behind the surge for, from, for bin Laden, I mean, the, the, the Afghan surge, the raid for bin Laden. Um, these were all things that she was very decisive on. Um, and, and we thought that was an interesting point to make in the book. And, and we show throughout it, you know, these various examples. And she, you know, she had very little uh, patience, I think, at the beginning when she was a senator. You know, she was used to, uh, you know, her husband having been uh, governor of Arkansas, president of the United States, you know, the ability to sort of wave a wand and have things happen, you know, that sort of executive action. And she gets to the Senate, it's a much slower pace. Uh, it's a lot harder to, to get things done. Uh, you know, as an individual, you really got to work with a lot of people in an institution. I think 
she eventually started to, to like the things that she was able to do there and to figure out how to get certain things done. And some of those things, as we say in the book, aren't, aren't actually legislation, but uh, but using her her powers to you know convene people in the private sector, the public sector, the you know the academic sector to say study the way that uh, study and improve the way in which you know uh, I don't know fruits and vegetables from upstate New York make it down to to markets in New York State that the market uh, New York City that the markets in New York City aren't you know getting their vegetables from uh, from New Jersey. I mean those kinds of things are, are sort of a, <coughs> a long-winded example there, but. I think she wants to. She wants to once she's made her mind up, move forward. And I think she has a, uh, an understanding of how difficult it can be to get uh, to get major institutions, whether they're government or outside of government, to move in a direction. And so, I think her feeling is, you, you know, you hit it, hit the thing that you're trying to move as hard as you can with your shoulder, and and don't hold back once you've decided to do that. So. Uh, you know, I think that plays into the uh, the way she makes decisions, and I think it's something for voters to consider going forward. That there's not really, a, uh, you know, not necessarily like a first or second year. Right, and one of the, um, but and which is not to suggest that she isn't someone who is who is able to change. Uh, one of the sections of the book that I was I was most interested in was this apparent blind spot that that Hillary Clinton had in 2008, somewhat in the campaign, which is a blind spot around. Technology and, and some people have suggested that that some of her her uh, uh, losing to Barack Obama was was related to her and her campaign's inability to really understand technology and all that goes with it. This changes once she comes to the State Department. Wonder if you guys can talk a little bit about how she embraced technology and and some of the really in- interesting examples you have about so- how some of her staff tried to use technology in a way that had never really been used in, in the area of diplomacy. So she, she and her staff, her, her top aides realized after 2008 that it was a huge deficiency for their operation. Barack Obama runs circles around them in terms of uh, political organizing, communicating, and, uh, and raising money on, on the Internet. And uh, they wanted to figure out how they could turn that into a strength for their organization going forward. So one of the things they did is they brought in uh, Alec Ross, who had been uh, a, a coordinator of the tech policy team for Obama on the campaign trail. And uh, they brought him into state as her senior advisor for innovation. They uh, they sort of plucked this guy, Jared Cohen, who had been uh, a Condi Rice protege in innovation and technology, and uh, you know made him somebody who was close to the secretary uh, in terms of executing some things. He's a, he's now the head of Google Ideas, so I mean somebody who's pretty good at this innovating stuff. And so one of the things they did is they decided to bring in from the outside their circle. You know the the Clinton circles are very insular, generally speaking, and that was a problem. So that one problem they addressed was to bring in people from the outside who actually knew what they were doing to address this deficiency. And then the other thing is the deficiency itself, which is technology. Uh, Hillary built what she called the 21st century statecraft team uh, within the State Department. A lot of people working on innovation and technology uh, across all of the the various uh, agencies and bureaus within the State Department, and. Uh, some of the things that they worked on include the, you know, the texts uh, for for Haiti victims, you know, people donating money online uh, by sending text messages actually through SMS. Uh, they raised something like $40 million for Haitian earthquake victims. Uh, you know, they trained revolutionaries in other countries to upload video and, uh, you know, of atrocities. There's, uh, the, one of the things that they wanted to do that they weren't able to do is 
to try to track militias in Congo uh, to give warning to refugee camps to try to reduce the incidence of, of sexual violence from uh, militias coming in and and, uh, and raping women in refugee camps. So there are a lot of things that they were trying to use technology for uh in terms of uh in terms of affecting foreign policy and i think you know what hillary clinton came to realize and there were a couple of thinkers within her orbit who i think you know taught her about this uh Emily slaughter was one of them she was uh she was the chief of the policy planning office of the state department and alec ross was another who really saw how technology could be used to uh affect political movements and social movements abroad uh in addition to that uh, there's a recognition among a lot of the people who worked for Hillary on technology issues uh, during her time at State that all of those things that they were doing uh, to try to affect political movements abroad could very easily be applied to uh, politics at home, meaning uh, she's running in 2016. Uh, all of those ways in which you use these tools to, like I said, communicate, organize, raise money uh, can be done in service of a, of a political campaign here. Now, um, and this sort of gets us in sort of the direction of, of where uh, a lot of attention has, has been drawn to your book, which is, is the, your writing on Benghazi, um, which is, is a whole conversation that can go on for a long time. But, but what I was just wondering if you could sort of think about or explain is, um, what did you learn about this case that we, we didn't previous, previously know um, is there anything you discovered? Uh, this is a, is still somewhat of a murky situation, um, but is there anything that you report on in the book that is um, that adds to uh, what we what we previously knew um, that that clarifies some some piece of this that that was that was unclear prior to your book? Sure, I think there are a few things. Uh, you know, the first thing I would say is we we spoke uh, to Jean Kretz, the former ambassador to Libya, who was there right before Christine, who was involved in some of these requests. Uh, for more security in Tripoli, and he's got some uh, interesting thoughts. I mean, they definitely wanted more. They wanted more robust security than they had on the ground in Libya. Uh, but he also said that you know that, that diplomats are always asking for more, more uh, mm-hmm. security, and particularly ambassadors are often asking for more uh, security, and that that they were also prepared to live within the means that they had. Uh, you know, they they saluted when they were told no. Um, so I think there's that element. We uh, we have stuff that nobody's ever reported before about what was going on uh, in Washington at the State Department within the uh, within the interagency at the White House, and uh, you know as the attack was unfolding, you know it was really two attacks, uh, and and I think for the people in Washington, they really thought it was over once the comp- you know the, the State Department compound was. Attack, but then of course there was the secondary attack on the CIA, and so it's really reacting, in their, you know, sort of in their timeline to two separate events. And we go into that. We have uh, some more stuff on the inside of the talking points. Uh, I think we also trace the political story too. Like we have um, Chairman Issa, basically, you know, someone who has been one of her biggest um, rivals on the Sushi adversaries, and he's basically talking about how, you know, his opinion of her that he actually thinks very highly of her or thought very highly of her, like in the aftermath of Benghazi, that she had been pretty forthcoming with him. And that's an interesting story to tell, like how his opinions shifted um, right after the 2012 election, how at first he was targeting President Obama and then it shifted to Secretary Clinton. Now, in the interest of uh, of time, uh, I think maybe we'll stop there on Benghazi because it's a, it's a, a full conversation. <laughs> You know, as a political scientist, I think one of the ways that we would look at, at this book is really as a case study. 
um, a case study in leadership, um, a, a case study in management. And there's a lot that you can draw from the book um, that, that points to the, the, the merits of a 2016 run for Hillary Clinton. Are there any questions that you think are raised uh, as you look deeply at her uh, management style or the way in which she led this, this large uh, uh, government agency? Any things that, that suggest um, that the way in which she might uh, govern as president would be, would, would be limited in some way? Sure. I think, uh, you know, first of all, I think there continues to be a question of the degree to which she puts emphasis on loyalty, uh, sometimes to the exclusion of or, or overconfidence. Uh, and I think that's a problem for all leaders, uh, most political leaders, uh, but it's certainly acute, uh, you know, acute with her historically. And so the question is, you know, is she always going to have the best people around or is she going to have the people who are, uh, you know, most, uh, you know, most likely to be sycophantish or, uh, to, to not tell her the things that she needs to know or, uh, you know, reflexively guard her in ways that aren't, aren't necessarily helpful to her. So I think that's one thing. Uh, you know, I think the, the other, Thing that I would look at is is a question of vision for 2016 and beyond. I mean, this is in 2008. I think she had a hard time articulating why uh, she should be president, what her vision for the country was, uh, and I'm not sure that uh, in 2016 we haven't yet heard that vision. I think one of the things we heard from her aides is that she's extremely good as a student, very good at uh, seeing what's happened in the past and. Uh, applying, you know, sort of as a lateral thinker, I guess, applying lessons learned from one area to another area. Uh, but the, but that sort of big vision question, I think, still remains, uh, and will be an obstacle for her if she's not able to, uh, to really be resonant with the public about where she would take the country. You know, it's, it's just a really interesting book and a little bit of a departure for, for those listeners of the podcast, but I think it, it really is something that, um, uh, is something to be read, and and uh, the pricing by by Crown Publishers very different than your typical academic book, which usually <laughs> runs in the 80s or 90s, uh, makes it a very affordable purchase as well for for those that are interested. Um, I really enjoyed the book. Yeah, we would you love that. <laughs> and and uh, and and give the others out as as uh, uh, presents to your students. Um, HRC, uh, State Secrets and the Rebirth of Hillary Clinton, published by uh, Crown Publishers by Jonathan Allen and, and Amy Parnes. Uh, John and Amy, thank you very much for your time today. Our, thank our you pleasure. So much. Thank you. And we'd love to hear back from what political scientists make of the book. <laughs> so feel free and, to let us know. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure that you'll get you'll get lots of feedback. Thank you, guys. <laughs> thank Very you. Good.